you see those other companies that are trying to compete in the traditional banking space, which is, you know, you're, you're investing your money, you want to return, you have your checking, your savings. But now comes these, again, fancy, smaller fintech companies trying to outperform banks. Um, and they're doing it because they're not as regulated as banks, right? Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dapper Dollars podcast, where we answer your personal finance question, but a little bit of the style. I'm your co-host, Anirban Bomek, and we also have... Hi everyone, I'm George Anakwe. Uh, so given the current climate around money, um, how we understand how we function, how we manage, and our habits too as well, ties into our relationship with banks. And so we're here to hopefully bring a conversation around that topic. So we have the pleasure to introduce Janelle Daly. She's currently leading the business management side of JP Morgan's commercial bank, international onboarding and service organization. She's also supported multiple business case development for acquiring payments and rails organization. Prior to joining JP Morgan, she worked at AT&T, where she was a member of the finance leadership development program. And that's where all three of us had met. Uh, Janelle received her MBA from New York University and her bachelor's degree from McAllister College in Minnesota. She majored in mathematics and minored in statistics and economics. She's a current leader in her church student ministry and where she tutors math. So welcome, Janelle. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. So before we get started, I wanted to start off with a fun icebreaker question. So what's that one guilty pleasure um, that you will buy and you won't even look bother looking at the price tag? So <laughs> I will say it's very rare that I don't look at a price tag. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not that person. Um, but I will say that when I go on like vacation, that is usually when I might buy something that I wouldn't buy if I was back home. Right. So for example, um, my husband and I went to Italy recently we were in Florence and, you know, it's like the fashion district <laughs> of Europe. And so I might see something, a, a bag, and a designer Prada bag, and I'll say, what the heck, we're in Florence, let's live a little, right? Um, that's really the only time that I will just buy. And again, I still looked at the price tag, but I, I still bought it. <laughs> Versus in, you know, real life, if I looked at the price tag, I would put that right back down. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart, smart. I like the answer. So I said... I so basically, so we we have just heard about your, your bio, your, obviously your wonderful achievements and stuff. So can you share with us who Janelle Daly is, your passion, fun facts too as well? Sure. And I'll try to answer this as, as best as I can, because there's so many ways to answer this. So I think first, I would love to be defined by like being a child of God, right? I really love God. Um, faith is very important to me. Um, I'm a huge lover of my family. That's, you know, when we have holidays, so Christmas is coming up, my family is coming. I'm such a huge, uh, I love gathering. I'm a big, like, I love games. I'm a little bit too competitive, um, but I'm, I'm passionate about games. It's really just like having fun with family um, and friends. And I also 
uh, I used to run track, right? So track was a really big part of my life growing up in high school, even before high school, prep school, high school and college. Um, I used to do hurdles and I also did long jump. So it was a very big part of my life. And, you know, being in sports is such a huge part of growing up and development, right? You know what it is to be on a team. You know what it is to dedicate your time to something and wanting to achieve a certain goal. So I really love the fact that I was in track for like majority of my life. Um, and then fun facts, fun facts. So I love dancing. I don't know if you guys ever saw me dance, but <laughs> I love dancing and I like trying new recipes. So most Sundays, like I will open a cookbook or I look in my fridge and see what I have and just try, you know, make a recipe from that. Um, and I always share this one. So I, I love guacamole, but I don't really like avocados. It has to like have that jazz, right? Tomatoes, peppers, lime. I won't just have like a slice of guacamole, uh, avocado. <laughs> that is awesome. So uh, do you still run? You know, so I don't run right now. Um, it's funny because in prep school, high school, I did short distances, right? So I did 100 meters um, and indoor, it was 60 meter hurdles. But after graduating from um, college and moving to, I lived in New York first, and then now I'm in Texas, I was doing long distance. So um, I really wanted to do a half marathon. And in fact, it's still on my bucket list. Um, so, But I have not been training at all <laughs> for the past few years. Um, so we'll see how easy it is for me to get back into the swing of things to train for a half marathon. But it's still on my bucket list. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you've mentioned a lot about yourself right now and you know the awesome great things but what's something that if you could rewind the past what would you not have done uh this is a really really hard question because i think so many things in life even if you think it was like a bad decision it leads you somewhere else right which is a good place in your life i would not have waited so long to go to business school so when I graduated from McAllister, I was about to share the um, year and share my age. Let me not do that. <laughs> um, but between graduated from McAllister and going to NYU, it was about five years. And the reason I say that I would not have waited that long is because going to business school really helped propel my career, right? Like it put so much things into perspective for me, especially since in college, I majored in math, statistics and econ, right? So it was not business. And I always say that college like prepares you for work and like, you know, the great and how much goes into having a profession, but it doesn't prepare you for the specific industry or what you're actually going to do on the job, right? That's all about like day-to-day -day experience. But going to business school helps give you a broader view of what corporate America is like, right? And so I kind of wish I had not waited as long. But even having said that, I think waiting five years, two things. One gave me really good career experience before going to business school. So that was actually seen as a huge benefit in my, just my application. And then also the year that I went to NYU, I met some really great girlfriends and I wouldn't have met them if I was, you know, started two, three years ago. So there's that, but I do think that 
if I had started a little bit sooner, um, I may have been further in my career right now. Who knows? I agree. And I was going to add, because, you know, most, most, most job experiences, they need you to have at least um, three to five, five years with an MBA. So I feel that's actually a well-planned out route. Um, I think most people who jump from undergrad straight into business school, like, you know, they need you to go have some life experiences, see how it's done. Then you can come understand the concept that you get taught in business school. And so, yeah, so, you know, me saying five, I waited five, maybe three would have been like the sweet spot, right? Like that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, um, so let's so just dive into the meat of things. Um, so basically, uh, you know, with your bio, we learned that you have, you led um, strategic initiatives within JP Morgan, basically long-term planning and whatnot. Um, so we are hoping to leverage on your experience and ask like, um, if you can give a perspective as to what the banking institution looks like now. I mean, because again, like we said, there's so much mistrust and misconception around what banking is. Um, people are going back to the old school way of like stuffing money back in um, their, their, their mattresses, basically. So if you can get to share perspective. Yeah. Um, so I'll start by saying in my first role at JP Morgan, I was in the um, CIB, which is essentially like investment bank. We handle like all of the big name clients, right? Your Amazon, your Facebook, your Netflix, um, and specifically, I was in the merchant services area. So you think about um, competitors like PayPal, right? So handling how we exchange money um, from merchants to customers. And I think one of the, the most clear and obvious perception of banks is that we're just not as fancy, right? We're, we're not as fast. We're not as young and hip as these fintech companies, right? Um, and so I want to give you the perspective from banking and I'll do that a little bit because when you think about banking, payment services is not traditional, right? Like competing in the merchant services space is not like a traditional banking thing. When people think about banking, you just think about, I'm giving you my money, you're giving me an interest rate, right? That's, that's really what it is. But I think we do have to think about banking like that because there are just so many services that we entrust or banker or, or bank to be able to provide for us, right? So that's the first thing, like banks should be able to do it all. Um, no, we're not doing it as, as I said, um, as fancy as some of our competitors. And that's really why at least JP Morgan, we're investing so much in that space. We're investing to be able to compete with these players. And the thing is, we can, right? We have the funds, we have the resources, we can. And so, and we understand the fact that we're not the number one player, right? Um, I don't know if you've heard of, you've probably seen the commercials for Chime, right? So Chime, and you, you see those other companies that are trying to compete in the traditional banking space, which is, you know, you're, you're investing your money, you want to return, you have your checking, your savings, but now comes these, again, fancy, smaller fintech companies trying to outperform banks. Um, and they're doing it because they're not as regulated as banks, right? So they can 
benefit from the lower interchange rates and things like that. So I think as far as like perception, one, it's just that banks were just kind of old, like it's, we're old traditional. Um, but again, we have the resources to do so. It's just if these banking CEOs care enough to compete, right? Because there is just so much competition going on. I think also, even though there is mistrust, I still think that from a, at least a commercial bank perspective, um, banks are still trusted. At least JP Morgan, we're super trusted, right? So that's why we still have clients because even though we have these competitors, we've been around longer. We we have so many different assets to offer clients. So it's not just payments, but we can also offer you loans and credit and ethics. So because of that, we're still um, we're still going to get business. We're, we still remain um, profitable because we have such longevity um, in this space. So I think those would be my main two things just based on what I've seen is that also, I feel like we get away with not being the greatest because of that, right? So we, we might not have the best customer service. We might not have the best interface for our customers, but we're trusted. And if, if something goes wrong, our clients know that we will take care of them as soon as possible, right? Um, so again, I think it's one, we're not young, fun, and sexy. <laughs> Two, we're loyal. The third thing I would say is the diversity of products. And I, I mentioned that before. I think you, we're a one-stop shop, right? Um, and so I think there's value in that and there will always be value in that for banking. Okay. Um, that's actually a good follow-up to my next question. Because you mentioned those three items, what would you advise someone who is maybe starting a small business or uh, wanted to intensify their saving habits, uh, what's the advice that you would give to them? So let me start with the saving habits. We have to be self-aware, right? There are people who are equipped to do certain things that we just are not. So for example, even though I'm in banking and I've been in banking for a few years, do I know everything about saving? Do I know the best investments for me? Um, personal finance, I did not study that. So if I want to truly get my savings where I want it to be, I'm going to go to a specialist, right? I know that there's mistrust and the mistrust is really coming from the fact that you might think that, oh, bankers just want my money and they're not doing anything for me. But at the end of the day, right, like they're the ones like they've done this. They have licenses for this to understand how the stock market is moving and to really make sure your funds are performing well. Because quite frankly, they use that for their leverage as well. Right. They want a portfolio that's growing. They don't just want to take people's money and it not do anything. Um, so I think in terms of saving, I would absolutely encourage people to get advice, do research from trusted, from, from, from trusted advisors, because again, they know what they're doing more than you could, right? And Google alone is not going to help you. <laughs> um, I think there, there's so many, you know, search tools and so much information and misinformation that you can find online. So I just think, it's really important, even if it's a family friend who's in the business, who's in banking, right? You can start there because that might help alleviate the feeling of mistrust that you have for like a big corporation if it's someone in your family. Um, but I absolutely think start out with someone who does this, who's understanding, knows what your goals are, short term, long term, and 
the best thing you can do is start, right? Like even if you you don't know what you want to do, starting means researching, starting means talking to people, starting means understanding the different ways that you can invest and save money. It's better for you to start than to just not do anything at all. Like not doing anything, having your money in just like a bank account where you're getting 0.002% return is just not good enough for 2022 and beyond. <laughs> um, so that's that. The second thing I would say regarding small business, small business, I mean, again, it's a little bit of the same because as, especially if you're going into this new, right? I think so much of it is research and understanding um, and being able to, to understand where, which communities you can make an impact. Um, banks are there and, you know, I'll specifically speak to JP Morgan, like we're very invested in the community and helping small businesses um, scale. <clears throat> and so, you know, it takes courage to, to start a small business and I completely get that and I still think still one of those other things on my bucket list um, that I think it takes courage but it's also why not right there's so many people who who just start and it's it's a slow process you might you know really want to keep your job but I think at the end of the day if you want to start a small business you 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 need a team right and you're banking a consultant or advisor can be a part of that team. Um, I think otherwise you end up maybe losing money or you you start and you're not 100%, um, you don't 100% know all that's involved and so you might have to put it on pause. Um, so I think it all boils down to like having a team and your, your bankers can be a team. Um, it's, I personally, like I know that there's mistrust again because at the end of the day, every corporation wants to make a profit, right? Let's not pretend that that's not what this is about. <laughs> but they can make a profit and you can make a profit too, right? So I would just say get get, get, get yourself a team um, who can help you in areas that you're not the best at, right? Like you can be creative and, you know, you might have great marketing tools, but from a finance perspective, you want the best person on your team for success. So that's, that's why I think like, just, just get yourself a great team so that there's someone from every, every vertical that can help you um, build that small business. I wanted to sort of just, you know, ask, you know, just have like a follow-up question with that. So you had mentioned obviously with the interface experience and uh you know and the other experience so from a, a i'm speaking about small businesses now so from a community grassroots level is there some sort of assistance in place like you said like you know someone walks in and say hey look i have this idea of starting a business like i've done my my homework xyz this is what's going to be so you know are there things being put in place to actually help these small potential small business to say okay your idea is brilliant. We can help you scale or we can show you how to get funding. Like it's just, I'm talking about from a grassroots level, someone who just walks into like a community bank and says, um, I have my idea. I've been testing things out through family, friends. I see this is a valid business. This is a niche idea. Um, how can I scale that up? Are there things being put in place? Can you, can you share more? Yeah. And I can share that of course, just from JP Morgan, but I think I actually found out this year, besides having business bankers who might be the ones that 
as a small business person, you go to and you talk to about, hey, I'm starting a new company. I'm interested in getting a small loan and they'll be able to help you. We actually have community community advisors who are in control of specific areas and go into the communities. Like they spend more time away from a desk than you would think as from a banking perspective, right? So they go out to the communities and look at different businesses around, right? They talk to people. Um, so we have a broad reach of people like that who are trying to help these companies scale, right? So, and it's also a part of like, or JP Morgan has a 30 billion commitment um, where we're trying to help black, Latina um, companies and just small business in general to really to scale. Jamie Dimon has said this before, where when he goes to sleep at night, he just wants to know that his company is helping make the world a better place. Right. Um, and so that's that's what these community um, community leaders are doing, is that they're going out and they're actively seeking people who need help, need support. Um, and uh, clearly there is some application and there's process involved but again it's it's not just waiting for people to come to us it's going out and really um expanding and and finding these these businesses that need help hey if you've made it this far into this episode george and i want to give you a big thank you it means a lot to us that you find our content valuable and it will mean the world to us if you can share this episode with your family and friends that would help this episode and future episodes discovered by many others who find this as valuable as you did Again, thank you, and let's get back to the episode. Wow, awesome. And I like your your feedback on the whole ID perspective, focusing on like Black and Latino business owners, because I feel that my minority has been overlooked in a, in a big way. And the fact that there's active participation, so like, okay, we're going to help you and expand. That's actually really good. Thanks. On a different note, so we are in awe of your trajectory. Um, you know, obviously with the fact that you've been able to work with uh, work at a pretty prestigious um FLDP program with ATT moving over to um um JP Morgan. Um so in terms of personal finance, what would you say did that play a big role? Because you, you know you had mentioned like, you know, if you had known sooner you have gone to business school instead of working for five years, you have done that in, in like a, a three-year time span. Would you say personal finances also played a big role in decisions you made as you start plan your life out? Yeah, I have a funny story, actually. So I can take it back to when I was really young. And so I've always been very budget-minded. I love having a budget. I love counting money. <laughs> um, and I remember when I was younger, I would save a lot, right? So I had um, an allowance and I would save money from that allowance. And if there was ever a time that either of my parents needed like a loan, right? And they would come to me and I would say, great, but you're going to repay me with like 5%, right? Like I was very, <laughs> I was very adamant that like, if you're going to give me money back, it, this is, this is going to cost you. Right. Um, so I think just for me, pers I've always been keen on having funds, right? Like you just, at the end of the day, we're all working, whether it's for a corporation or you're a small business owner, you're working to provide, right? Provide for your family, 
to live the life that you want, whether that's like a very luxurious life that you want or it's a very traditional standard life. But we're all working for that, right? Besides the fact that you want a job that's going to make you happy, you are working to provide for your family, right? So I've always had the mindset that I need to have money. I need to be able to buy what I want and not have to ask anyone. Um, so like just growing up, that's always been in my mind, right? Like I always wanted, I remember thinking about growing up, what I want to be. And I just remember the vision of like me in like a full suit on a chair, like turning around like a boss, right? So like I've always thought about that, that life. And so everything else just kind of had to be because I knew what I, what I wanted to, to be, right? I knew I needed to go to high school. You know, I did really well. I always loved school. I knew after that I wanted to go to college, right? I loved math, so I pursued math. And I knew that ultimately going to business school would help propel my career even more, right? And so to be honest, initially when I applied for business school, I had gotten into a few schools, but not the school that I wanted to, right? Um, And I was going to go. I was fully prepared to go to some other school because I just didn't think that having an MBA from like a really prestigious um, university meant that much. And I still think that I could have gotten where I wanted to be by just going to any old school. And my sister was like, no, I think you might want to do it again. I think you might want to try again. (laughs) And so tried again, got into NYU. And um, I think it made a huge difference, right? Just the, the having that on my resume, having the network, um, the people who I've met, um, the, the kind of, uh, the kind of faces that you get when you say you went to NYU, like, oh, you're super smart, right? So, so all those things really matter. And, um, again, I just think, I think I was fortunate in the fact that, as I said, from very young, I knew that I wanted to, um, be successful and my parents were on that track, right? They helped me, um, to figure out what I wanted to do. And again, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I am from Jamaica. So being in Jamaica, I had to, you know, do my SATs and apply for schools in the U S. And so not everyone does that in Jamaica, right? (laughs) Some people go to the, the university in Jamaica, which is quite fine, but I, there was just always something more, right? Also, I have an older sister. She went to school in, in the U.S. first. So I was like, cool, that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> um, so I just think one, it's like opportunity and being raised where you know that, okay, there's this, you know, really great light at the end of the tunnel if you do this, this and that, right? And that helps with setting yourself up uh, along the way, right? Now, it could have gone totally different, right? It could have gone where and I maybe didn't think that high school was for me, or maybe I didn't think that college is for me. And honestly, I'm not saying that college is the way because I know things are changing now in this in this landscape over the past couple of years. Like I really, I need to do my, my research, but I really think college rates are dropping because, and it doesn't mean you won't be successful. I just think there are other avenues to, um, to make yourself successful as opposed to college. Again, I think college prepares you for certain life skills and it helps you to 
to think through things more clearly. It helps you to problem solve, which are just things that you need in a, um, in, in a, in a day-to-day job. But, um, again, I think I just want to say that I am blessed that from very young, I had the mindset that I wanted to make money. I wanted to make sure I knew how my money was working for me. I wa- I was someone that I wanted to save. I didn't, I, I wanted to make sure my expenses weren't more than, you know, my inputs, you know, I'm someone that budgets. Um, and so even knowing all that, I still went to my, I still went to get an MBA, which as you said, is not cheap. <laughs> so I'm still paying for that now, but the reward is greater, right? Because as I said, I really do believe that getting my MBA really helped put things into perspective for me. It was literally like an aha moment where you are in a company, but things just click. You understand what am I doing here? What's my role? What's my team's role? Way more than I would have if I didn't go to grad school. Um, so yeah, I hope that answered your question. I feel like I was talking a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll just unpack a bit of what you said. So because I wish <laughs> I need to tag on in- interest rates every time I borrowed my brother's system money. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about it. But so I know sometimes we we, we become products of like our our environment. So mm-hmm. how, what would you say influenced you to kind of make you be so? conscious about money so early at such a young age? Yeah, I don't know, because I'm not going to sit here and say to you that, you know, my parents struggled. And so that's why I was like, I never want to struggle. That that was not, I'm not saying that my parents were the richest people ever. They weren't, but we, 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 I lived a very comfortable life, right? Growing up in Jamaica. Um, I think both my parents were very much, um, they, they wanted me to do whatever I wanted to do in terms of success, right? I even I tell my husband this all the time, like growing up in high school, I would like do my homework on my own and then watch TV. Like my parents didn't need to tell me, go do your homework, go do this, right? That was just kind of innately how I was. Um, but I know that that's not the case for everyone. And I know it's so it's so much harder to to be in an environment where you don't have that encouragement or where um, you, you, you are kind of living with not a lot and, and needing to make, you know, make, make things um, happen with not much um, and have a mindset where I can achieve this. Like I can save, I can do all of that. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that environment plays a, plays a role, but I think, so much of it is is you, right? Like I, I would not sit here and say that it's mom or dad who really helped me to to want to go to college or want to get my MBA. Like I think a huge part of that was just me. I, I you know, as I said, like my dream was I was going to be a businesswoman. Like that was that was that was what I had intended to do. Um, and there's still so much for me to learn. There's I mean, I am nowhere near to like my peak, right? And I think it's just in having a network where you kind of see what other people are doing, whether it's your peers or your family or just, you know, again, colleagues. And you're like, well, I can I can do that. Like I can get there. Um, so growing up in Jamaica, the concept of networking isn't something that's really taught. 
right? I had no idea what networking is. Even in college, I mean, they talk about networking, but you're just like, what is this? Why do I need to do this? And it's not until you really start working that you realize how important networking is. Um, And I think that also helps you grow, helps you learn. Um, Really, one of the biggest things is you have to be open to learning all the time. And I don't just mean like learning what you do, right? Because that should be just a given. When you go into a role, you have to constantly be learning about what you need to do. But it's also just learning about, again, from a finance perspective, what do I need to do to own a home, right? Show me people who talk to people who own homes. You know, how do they do it? What do I need to do to, if you want to be a millionaire, talk to millionaires, read books about millionaires, right? Like you can't just sit down and think you're going to um, accomplish these dreams without some some work. And like, again, it's really feeding off of people. Um, so that's why I say like networking is so important because I've learned through networking um, just where my career can go, right? Like um, sky's the limit, um, which is why I said I'm absolutely not at my peak yet. But I still see that woman in that suit, in that chair, and that's what I'm going to. (laughs) That's awesome. And I really like that you shared that with the audience about your vision of being in that suit, in that power chair, turning around like total (laughs) boss woman. And I thought it was also interesting that you mentioned about the network and that you decide to maybe take those extra steps that you needed to to get into NYU. Uh, and I, th- I think that ties into what the underlying message of our podcast is, which is to bridge the knowledge gap. So it, it doesn't matter if you're like way advanced in your career, your life, like we're trying to like we teach you those habits that could help you maybe get back on track. So before we get into our fun part of the, the podcast, um, not that this conversation wasn't fun, but <laughs> I had a great time talking to you. Um, what's one book that changed your life and why? I'm going to do this two ways. So one, the Bible, because it teaches you so much about how to live, how to treat people. Um, it's very poetic. <laughs> it's, it's really poetic. And so that's one it's definitely changed my life Two. I started reading this other book. Um, it's the fire mentality. Um, let me, I'm trying to remember what it stands for. Financial independent, retire Financial early. Independent, retire early. There we go. Thank you. Um, the reason I like the book is not because I want to be as aggressive as how the, they save in that book. Cause I, I just don't know that I'm there yet, but I like the fact that when you lay these things out, like, if you save this much, where, you know, where will your investment be in 10 years? It's amazing to put the the numbers in front of you, right. And actually have that visual. And it also just helps you to start. That's the, that's the main thing. Like just start doing something different, right. It doesn't mean that, you know, the book talks about giving up on some of these huge expenses, like a car and, you know, maybe move into a cheaper neighborhood. While meanwhile, I'm trying to buy a car next year. <laughs> but it, but for me, like, again, the takeaway for me is not that I now want to live the fire mentality. It's the fact that just do the math, do the math, right? Like if you save this much in one month, this is how much it would be in a year. This is how much it would be in 10 years at this rate, right? Like 
do the math and see how things work out because you'd just be so surprised at how little goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of my favorite parts to ask uh, our guest speakers. We call it this or that. <laughs> Don't be scared. Um, it actually kind of relates to a lot of the questions or a lot of the questions we we asked you and the answers that you've provided. So it okay. helps our listeners to get into the mentality of Janelle Daly. So <laughs> this or that, it works um, just like the, the name it says. Uh, would you pick this or would you pick that? I'll give you two scenarios. Okay. So you catch yourself at Rodeo, Beverly Hills, and you see two stores right next to you. You have, um, you can buy a Birkin bag or you can buy a timeless Cart- Cartier uh, watch. Which one would you go for? And I have to pick one and buy it with my own money. <laughs> 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 Maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know if I would buy either of those, but if you're saying any brand, maybe I would buy it and resell it. How about that? I would buy one and resell it. Maybe see if I could get more money for it. Cause I just like, like I like luxury, but it's not something that I have like in my closet. I go through all my red bottoms and, and all that. Like, it's just, yeah, I'll probably buy it and resell it. Or maybe it would maybe it would be the Birkin bag. Cuz I've I've heard like a lot of things about this Birkin bag that it's just so amazing and like <laughs> Um <laughs> so yeah, I, man, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's actually you know what? Final answer, Birkin bag. <laughs> All right. So um we were talking about budgeting and we're talking about the fire movement as well. And there's some areas that they'll cut costs in. So which one would you give up ordering? Would you give up ordering your morning coffee or your afternoon coffee or give up ordering takeout? Coffee. Coffee. Okay. Um, yeah. And then our last question is um, if you had to earn a penny and double each day for 30 days, would you take that option or would you rather take the million dollars right now? Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm too old for the penny. So I think, <laughs> I think I would take a million, right? Um, there's some different investment opportunities that in our family we're doing. So I think it would help there a lot. Um, we're about to have a son. So I think I would, put some money towards his college fund. Um, yeah, I think I would take the million and watch it and still watch it grow. Okay. Good answer. Um, if you earn that penny and then double it each day for 30 days, so basically a month, that would end up becoming 5.4 million, rough estimate. You see, and again, that's why I say do the math. I, I <laughs> I'm do the math just now, but that's... I'm, Definitely do the math. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it for our show. Uh, thank you again, Janelle, uh, for sharing your insights, not only just your personal, you know, your views with JP Morgan and big banks and helping our audience demystify that. Thank you for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, it would really help us out if you can leave us an honest five-star review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Also, it will be awesome if you can share this episode with your family and friends. That would help gain traction for this episode and our channel. And finally, don't forget to look good, feel good, 
and do good. See you at the next episode. Bye. Yeah.